Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, welcome to the First Baptist Church here in the hills of Western Massachusetts, USA. Welcome one and all, those that are listening, wherever you may be. Some people in Honduras. Ciao. <laughs> all right, we're going to be carrying on from uh, two weeks ago now. We're going to be in First uh, Timothy chapter 3. And uh, just seven verses, but it's going, to, it's going to take a while to get through the seven verses. I'm not sure how far we're going to get today, but we'll read the seven verses. 1 Timothy chapter 3, reading from verse 1. Here is a trustworthy saying. If anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a noble task. Now the overseer must be above reproach, the husband of but one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. May God give us understanding of his word this morning. Amen. Amen. Let's open in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful to be here this morning. We thank you for those that are here, those that are listening and watching, wherever you may be. We just pray. Give us understanding of your word this morning. May we learn something new for the first time. Hopefully bring out something practical for ourselves that we can take home with us and put into use on a daily basis for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So the title of this message is What Qualifies a Pastor? A pastor, uh, in other words, uh, an overseer. Uh, this first letter in Timothy shows the bib biblical qualifications for not only pastors but also deacons, which we covered two weeks ago. Deacons, we covered that two weeks ago. Their qualification, what qualifies a deacon? We looked at the seven verses regarding the pastors, which is another title for elder, uh, shepherd, reverend, overseer, uh, 
or bishop. I happen to be the bishop of Coleraine. Although we've got two other bishops that function in this area as well. I just happen to be the bishop of this here church. So, you know, you kiss my ring later on. Jesus is the head of the church. We are the church. The church is made up of born-again believers. Uh, and his leadership is exercised through spiritually, hopefully spiritually mature, although we've got a long way to go. I know I do, to be spiritually mature. I don't always act spiritually mature. If some, could you, could, some of you can attest uh, to shepherd the flock. You are the flock. I am the shepherd. Jesus is the great shepherd of the sheep. And he says, he who desires that position as an overseer, pastor, elder, desires a noble task. A noble task. First, in this context, it says anyone Trustworthy saying, if anyone sets his, doesn't say hers, does it? Sets his heart on being an overseer. He desires a noble task. Anyone. But it doesn't mean any person. The following verses specify that only men can serve as pastors. Now that might offend a few people but this is what the word of God says because all of the following pronouns in these verses are specifically male not female in other words the Bible teaches that women are not permitted to be elders that's number two in your handout you should have had that in your bulletin now in verses 2 through 7, we learn that actually there's about 15 qualities or qualifications to be an elder. But if you're looking for the perfect pastor, nobody in this world would qualify because there's no such animal or human. That's something uh, hopefully slightly amusing called the perfect pastor. The perfect pastor preaches exactly 10 minutes. He condemns sin roundly, but never hurts anyone's feelings. Not in this place. He works from 8 a.m. until midnight and is also the church janitor. Perfect pastor makes 40 bucks a week, wears good clothes, drives a good car, buys good books, and donates 30 bucks a week to the church. He's 29 years old, but with 40 years experience. Above all, he is handsome. Well... 
That's for you to decide. <laughs> the perfect pastor has a burning desire to work with teenagers and he spends most of his time with the senior citizens. He smiles all the time with a straight face. Do you get that one? Because he has a sense of humor that keeps him seriously dedicated to his church. He makes 15 home visits a day and always is in his office to be handy by the phone when needed. Perfect pastor always has time for the church council and all its committees. He never misses a meeting of any church organization. He's always busy evangelizing the unchurched. The perfect pastor is always in the next church over. <laughs> if your pastor does not measure up, simply send this notice to six other churches that are tired of their pastors too. Then bundle up your pastor and send him to the church at the top of the list. If everyone cooperates, in one week you will receive 1,643 pastors. <laughs> and one of them should be perfect. So a word of advice, have faith in this letter. One church broke the chain and got its old pastor back in less than three months. And this goes to show that we often have unrealistic expectations of our pastors. Amen. You know, if you're looking for a perfect pastor, you'll never find one. No one would ever qualify. But at the same time, an elder should not be in violation of these qualifications. You know, if he's weak in any area whatsoever, he should be aware of it and working to improve with God's help. None of us have reached the point of total perfection yet. Only, only Jesus was perfect, amen? As Paul himself said in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, who is adequate for these things? If Paul can say that, the rest of us can for sure. Every elder ought to have a sense of his own inadequacy, but also have absolute confirmation in his heart that God has called him for that leadership position. If I didn't believe God had called me to this leadership position, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be standing up here. So let's uh, start. I'm not sure how far we're going to get, but let's examine the list of qualifications for an elder, a pastor, a reverend, bishop, Overseer. Number one, it's got to be above reproach. In other words, uh, blameless, a man of integrity. This quality heads up the list and serves as an overall characteristic of a man's life. Paul isn't demanding perfection. And the Greek word has the idea of not having anything in the life of the pastor that the enemy, the devil, can use against him, that he might accuse him of. 
In other words, an elder must not be living in disobedience to God's word. Amen? Above reproach. Number two, the husband of one wife. So this phrase is literally a one-woman man. Same as the deacons. They have to be a one-woman man. Some take it to mean that an elder must be married and not single, but this would disqualify not only Paul, who was unmarried, but also Timothy, which was also he was unmarried. So it doesn't disqualify a single man or even a divorced pastor either. A pastor can be divorced. A one-woman man, a man who is faithfully related to one woman, to one wife, and this would obviously disqualify a lot of Mormons. That didn't go down too well. Temperate or vigilant, vigilant, able to make sound judgments, someone who is able to think clearly, not always, but most of the time. The verb is associated with alertness, points a man who has spiritual discernment. I think God has definitely has to give a pastor spiritual discernment more than most people, your average Joe or Jane. Self-controlled, prudent, means to be of a sound mind. Bless you. Be of a sound mind. Some might question that in my case. Especially my wife? No. This means, especially in the sense of not being impulsive, making quick decisions without praying about things. He doesn't have to live by his feelings, but led obediently by the Holy Spirit, seeking God's wisdom revealed in his word. Self-controlled. Respectable means uh, good behavior. Good behavior. The word means orderly, decent, modest. A person who lives a well-ordered, decent life in every area. Hospitable, and this is very important, or given to hospitality. And this works both ways, because you, you can invite me to dinner at any time. So you've got that invitation, you know, reverse invitation. Hospitable literally means a lover of strangers. Quick to open his heart and home to others. Not afraid to meet new people. He's sociable. Able to make people feel relaxed and welcome. That's what we need to do. When we have people come through these doors, we need to make them feel welcome. We need to be sociable. Amen? We need to be hospitable. 
obviously, he needs to be able to teach. Elder must know the scriptures. He must know the scriptures well. You can't just bring up one, you know, Tom, Dick, or Harry, or Harriet, and let them go and wax eloquent and not teach what's written in the word of God. They must know the scriptures well enough to be able to teach sound, sound biblical doctrine and refute false teaching. That's what the Bible does. It's either true or it's false. There's no gray areas in between. You've got to know what the difference is. You must be discerning. You must be a man of the word, the word of God, who understands people, guides them into God's truth. If he doesn't, then he doesn't qualify. shouldn't be in the pulpit. And since nobody has complete knowledge of the word of God, because we're all students of the word, I hope, an elder must continue, and we must continue each and every day to study the word of God, be teachable. And the Holy Spirit is the, the greatest teacher in the entire universe. We have to have a, a teachable heart, a teachable heart. Not given to drunkenness. Not given to drunkenness. Well, that's self-explanatory. In some versions, it says not given to much wine. In other words, not a drunkard. The Bible does not prohibit drinking wine. And every indication is that Jesus drank wine not just grape juice, like some of us Baptists like to believe, or been taught, although it was probably diluted because the water wasn't always safe to drink back in his day. In fact, Paul himself, he writes to Timothy in the fifth chapter, stop only drinking water, use a little wine for your stomach's sake, Paul says because of his frequent illnesses, his stomach problems. Paul says, drink some wine for your stomach's sake. It's not prohibited. However, the Bible warns about the dangers of drinking strong drink. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is a brawler. And whoever is intoxicated by it is not wise. That's Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1. Drunkenness, getting drunk, is definitely a sin. The Bible completely condemns it, rightly so. It's not only a sin, it could also lead other people into sin as well. For example, a new Christian who's had a problem, not just a new Christian, but a a Christian who's been a Christian for quite a while, who had a problem with alcohol, who was an alcoholic, sees another Christian drinking alcohol, there's always the danger of influencing that person to start drinking again. It puts tremendous amount of pressure on that individual. 
I remember when I was a single man, a Christian, new Christian, and I lived in this Christian home owned by the church in England. I used to call it the penthouse suite because I lived on the top floor, little bed sitter. I used to do my own uh, grocery shopping back then. I didn't have a, a wonderful wife that does that for me now. And uh, each week I'd go to the supermarket and get the weekly groceries and whatnot. And I used to treat myself some uh, little soda bottle, uh, cans actually. And one of them was a little can of shandy. You know what shandy is? Shandy over there, most children in England know what shandies are. They start drinking it when they're kids. It's a combination of a little bit of beer and the rest is lemonade. All right? That's shandy. And it's like, I don't know, hardly any alcohol in it at all, but there's a little bit. It's like a soda. So put every, everything in the, the fridge for the week, you know, with the yogurt and all the rest of the stuff I'm supposed to live on each and every day for the whole week. And there was a guy from the States interning over there, Christian, with the Berean mission. And very nice fella from Missouri. And I went in there to get my soda, my shandy. I had a Coke and a shandy and orange juice or whatever it was. And one was a little shandy. One for each day of the week, which is seven days. This happened to be shandy day. So I go over there, look for my shandy, it's gone. And this is a communal Christian home for Christian young men. So we all shared the facilities, we shared the, the fridge. So I go in there, look for the shandy, and it's not there. Someone's taking me shandy. So I thought, that's weird. Okay, that's never happened before. So I bumped into this guy who we became friends eventually. He said, you're probably looking for that soda. I said, yeah. Yeah, what happened? Do you know anything about it? He says, yeah, I tipped it down the sink. I said, well, would you do that? And he told me, he said, I used to be an alcoholic. He was saved on his deathbed. It was killing him. It would have killed him. And he was laying in that deathbed, and he had the TV on, and Billy Graham was preaching on TV. And it was one of these deathbed conversions. He got saved. And he was miraculously saved, and his life was completely transformed. But he still had that issue. And he told me, you know, it was a stumbling block to him to have that in there. He, I said, well, it's only like one or 2% alcohol in it. He said, it doesn't matter. He said, to me, that's a stumbling block. I said, okay. I said, I won't buy any more. And I didn't, so. But getting drunk is definitely a sin. And the Bible says, be filled with the spirit. Okay, not alcohol, be filled with the spirit. And it's a far better high than you'd ever get drinking booze anyway. So leave it alone. And I'm, unfortunately, we don't have all our children here this morning. But those children that are here, that are still awake, 
There's a word of warning to you from your pastor. Do not drink alcohol. I'll tell you why. You know how alcoholics become an alcoholic? They took one drink. They took their first drink. That's how an alcoholic becomes an alcoholic. All right? So if I ever see you drinking, watch out. I'm going to get you. So any Christian, not just alcohol, though. All things in moderation. But that's how alcoholics become alcoholics. They took a first drink. And I remember... Uh, prior to getting saved, a Christian brought me this tape to listen to. It was a testimony of a man called Willie Mullen. He was the youngest of 17 children. And he took one drink of cheap, what they call Tony wine in Northern Ireland. And he, after that, he became an alcoholic, a bum. Family had to throw him out at 17 years old. He hit the streets, he had living rough, and he, in fact, sometimes he said he'd have this rat for company that lived inside his, his trench coat to keep him warm to snuggle up with at night. And he became a complete alcoholic, and he was gloriously saved. And uh, through his testimony, I got gloriously saved as well. And I thought, and he's, this is guy, is, he's a, a pastor. He's a Baptist minister. And I thought, well, if God can save him, he can save me. But because of having that one drink. So that's a warning to us all. But, you know, regardless, not just alcohol, whatever the addiction is. An elder should not be a slave. Neither should we church to tobacco to drink to drugs to sex or even food you know you could be addicted to food and that would disqualify a lot of pastors I know <laughs> Rick you can edit that out <laughs> but there's none no none perfect not violent see these are self-explanatory aren't they we're not going to cover them all today. We'll call this part one, Rick. Okay, part one. Hopefully we'll finish next week. But let me finish, not violent. In other words, no striker. That, that doesn't mean pastor can't go on strike. An elder must be able to control his anger. We all need to control our anger, don't we? That's a great demonstration I saw at the camp a lady talking to the children and uh, she got a boy and a girl came up and uh, they each got a, a tube of toothpaste right and they were supposed to pour this out whoever was the quickest won, won the race and they poured it all out I said okay she said now put it back in the tube. So it's easy to pour it out, isn't it? But it was it's impossible to put it back in the tube. And it was a, a great illustration 
of things that come out of our mouth, the things that we say, and how we, we hurt people, you know, because the tongue is the smallest member, but it's the most difficult to control. And the point was, it's easier to say it, but you can't take it back. You can't take it back. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube and you can't put things that we say back into our mouths again. I thought that was a wonderful demonstration. So we'll carry on, Lord willing, and uh, let me close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful again. It's just a wonderful thing to know that we are truly saved and may the things that we've learned today Maybe for the first time, may have been a true revelation to us that we've been taught a certain way and led to believe that that was true. But now we know it wasn't necessarily. But what is certain, having learned these lessons this morning, we have to do things in moderation and to be controlled by your Holy Spirit. Help us to do that each and every day. And uh, we are to judge ourselves but not to, to condemn ourselves because you don't condemn us. Our sins have been washed away. You see Christ in us. You see us perfect, even though we fall short. And none of us are perfect, but one day we will be when we meet you face to face. What a day that will be. So help us to put these things into practice. And I want to address those of you that may be listening or watching this message, this sermon this morning. I hope and pray that you'll come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. It's the best thing a person could ever experience in this life. To have complete peace and joy, fullness of joy and contentment with no fear of man, knowing that our sins can be forgiven and when we leave this world, we are guaranteed that we'll go directly into your presence, God's presence in heaven. How can you be saved from your sins? Simply believe, believe that the Lord Jesus is God, that he died on a cross, took the punishment that you deserve, a sinner. Believe that he died for you personally and that he was buried and three days later he rose again from the dead and he's alive, Jesus is alive and he presented himself to 500 people saw it, the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to believe what he did for you by faith. You didn't see it happen, but believe he did it for you, a sinner, to save you and give you forgiveness and a home in heaven when you die. Just call upon his name. Believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead and you shall be saved. And that's a promise that God will always keep. I hope you make that choice because it's the best one you'll ever make.
because it will determine where you spend eternity when you leave this world. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. And if you uh, like this message on YouTube, Facebook, please give us a thumbs up and subscribe to our channel. Thank you and God bless you all. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Colerain for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m. We are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Colerain, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.